everybody ready to have a good time together? Yeah. Well, you know, tonight you get, okay, a lot of me, hopefully not me, but what the Lord wants to say through me, and some of my man. And you know what they say when they put the two of us together? It's a fire hose, people. It's a fire hose, yeah. (laughs) And this is Vision Sunday. I want to just welcome you to that experience. And to kick it off, I want you to take a look at a sketch and tell me what you think it is going to be when the picture is finished. Right here, folks. Raise your hand or shout it out. What do you think it's going to be? A penguin. Great guess. Somebody else. A dog. Somebody else. One more guess. A toddler running. Let's take a look at what it really is. It's true. I had to be good to our Disney friends and bring some joy in the room. There we go. Some, some old-fashioned happiness. There we go. Let's take a look at this next sketch. What do you think this is going to be? Shout it out. Pluto. Pluto. Of course we're stuck in Disney thinking, right? I promise you it's not Pluto. Some other guesses. What was it? Okay. A bumblebee? Somebody else? Shout it out. A duck, I heard over here. Okay, let's take a look. No, it is man's best friend. That's right. The beginning of the puppy. Well, we're talking about vision. We're talking about the vision that God has for us as a community tonight. And I want us to think about vision, what it really is. It's a snapshot of the future, painted, if you will, across our hearts and minds by God. Through our conversations with him, through our interaction with his word, through our engagement together, God begins to paint this picture. You know, it happens to you personally too. God whispers to you, this is what I want you to do next. Hey, this is in your future. Hey, have you ever thought of this? It's that kind of beginning that it takes. And then he just keeps sketching. Vision is always a picture of the preferred future. And it always evokes passion. And by that I'm talking about positive passion, right, and emotion. Now every week we get together and we talk about what God wants to do in you and me and what he wants to do with you and me. And today it's a little bit different because we're going to talk about what God wants to do with us, in us and through us. Together we make a huge difference in his world. And today, I see us making disciples, planting churches, and loving and serving people here, near, and far. I see a community of missionaries. No, that's not the right word. Passionaries. Yes, I did make that word up a few years ago. Passionaries. People who are on a mission, and it's a mission that evokes this amazing anticipation and energy and motivation. And can we do it today instead of tomorrow, God? And I hope today, as we talk about making disciples and planting churches and loving and serving people here, near, and far, that each one of you has this like explosive, bigger than this, bigger than a popper explosion, which we're going to have in a few minutes, happen in your heart for what God wants to do this year in and through us. So let's talk about each one of these three big ideas of big brushstrokes, if you will, on the painting that God's creating through us. I see us making disciples. You know, our mission is to help people find and follow Jesus. It's pure and simple. Jesus said it this way. It's called the Great Commission, and that's the good news that it's a commission. It just means none of us have to do this alone. 
that anytime we're engaged in this, we always have a partner in Jesus Christ. He's with us. Let's listen to his words in Matthew 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And surely, certainly, for real, I'll be with you, even to the very end of the age. When we say, I see us making disciples, we're talking about, I see us helping people find and follow Jesus. So let's break that into the two parts, not that they're all separate or some kind of linear process all the time. But I want to think with you for a minute, how do we help people find Jesus together? Well, the primary way that people find Jesus has never changed. It's through relationship. It was that way when Jesus was walking planet Earth, and it's still that way today. You know, in Washington County, there's a little over half a million people. And out of those, 24% of them say that they have absolutely zero religious affiliation. That means no, no religious worldview that they're willing to mark down on a sheet of paper anyway or a survey online. And to take it just a step further, that would be, that 24% would be 137 plus thousand people that have no religious affiliation, that are living and working and going to school among us. And then take it a step further, 75% of that half over half a million people don't attend any church. Not a synagogue, not a temple, not a church. That's a lot of people that need to find Jesus. And so we ask, where can we start? Well, we find people in our circles of relationships the people we go to school with, the people who are at the professional offices who provide services in our lives, the places that we go day after day and time after time where connections are made. And we get to share with them over time who God is in our life, his story, just as it's unfolded for us. Not what we don't know, but what we know. And then when it's the time that God really puts it on our heart and it's right, we invite them. We might invite them to a group that we're a part of, to be part of a Bible study or attend an event, a faith event, or perhaps a service here at Evergreen. Find, tell, bring. But it always starts the same way. Love. Find someone we love. Pray for them. Develop a relationship with them. And in the middle of that, there comes that opportunity where you get to give a reason for the hope that's in you. Or you get to share your story in Christ. And then you bring them with you to Evergreen or to another faith event that we're sponsoring. Now, this takes intentional effort. It really does. But it is still something that even a kid can do. And the kids here at Evergreen do it as well. In fact, Vortex, which is our fifth and sixth graders, we have a sixth grade boy who's been sharing his faith at school with his friends. And he invited one of his sixth grade friends, another boy, to come to Evergreen with him. Now, it was great. The kid came with him, and he loved it. And he asked his dad if he could go back, and his dad said, okay. And after a few weeks, the dad said, I've got to go find out about this. You see, the dad is a self-professed atheist. And he asked if he could meet with our children's pastor, Kim, because he wanted to find out a little bit more about us before he just, you know, said, okay, son. See, his philosophy was, you let your kids decide for themselves. And so if his son expressed an interest. Now, in this case, it worked very much in this boy's favor. 
So he comes and meets with Kim. And you know what his first question is? He says, and how will your church treat somebody like me that doesn't believe in God? And his next question, how will your church treat somebody who says they're a homosexual? Those were his first two questions. And you know, when he finished talking with Kim, Kim said, you know what? We're just a place that loves God and loves people. And we love people right where they are. And that's what you're going to discover here about us. Well, he was so thrilled about this and so thrilled with his son's response that the rest of the interview time was him asking Kim questions, exploring the God that he doesn't believe exists. So how did this start? It started with a sixth grade boy who got so excited about Jesus and what God was doing in his life that he couldn't stop from telling his sixth grade buddy at school and inviting him to come with him. And that sixth grade friend came here with him and in Vortex heard about Jesus and got so excited that he went home and told his self-professed atheist dad. Who then decided he better come check it out and meet with our children's pastor, Kim, who then began to talk about the God that he didn't believe existed. That's all fine tale bring is. It's not a magic formula. It's just something to make us more aware of what we can do and what the opportunity is to help people find Jesus in every relationship, if we'll think about it. I first met Stacy through a mutual friend. As we got to know each other, I invited her to Summerfest. Summerfest, that event, which, by the way, is going to be on the calendar for August 10th. If you haven't got it on there yet, you'll want to. It's that big outdoor event that we have here. Now, they didn't come to the service her first time. Instead, she came when it was time for the games and the food and all of that part, which was really cool. And after that, they didn't come back to Evergreen for a few weeks, but I got to talk with her every other week about it. And about three weeks later, she came back with one family member with her. And in within three weeks, she was bringing the entire family with her to meet Jesus too. And within three months, she had given her heart to Jesus Christ. And now she's a part of the Friday night women's Bible study that happens once a month for working women because that's what she is. And in that study, she's learning and growing with Jesus You know, I found we can spend a lot of time with people and never scratch below the surface. Never give or get to our story of faith in Jesus Christ or get to tell his story. My brother Joe was recently asked this question. Are we scratching and clawing for every soul? Mm, That made him start thinking. Made me start thinking. When I heard that, I said, what verb would I use to describe how I go after souls, how I approach people who are far from God. Well, I thought about the Apostle Paul, who was beaten, who was arrested, who was shipwrecked, who was stoned and left for dead. Why did he go through all that? Because he wanted to see every person possible, find and follow Jesus Christ. Discover the God who loves them, who died on the cross for them, who rose from the dead to set them free from sin and death. Then I thought about the Apostle Peter, somebody that we all like to make fun of a lot, right? Because he sticks his foot in his mouth. But you know, I've been reading because I've been going through First and Second Peter with my soap group and been reading about the end of Peter's life. And he spent the last nine months of his life in the prison there in Rome, the Mamertine prison, Nero, The current ruler at the time threw him there. He was in a dungeon that was completely dark, chained to a stock in the wall. 
And yet historians have written that during that time, he reached every one of his guards and helped them find Jesus Christ and follow Jesus Christ. And he saved 47 other people came to faith in Christ through his time, that nine-month period before he was crucified. Have you seen the movie, Saving Mr. Banks? This is where I should do movie spoiler alert. P.L. Travers, who wrote Mary Poppins, writes this story. Um, She herself wanted to save her dad at all costs. It wasn't necessarily saving him with faith, but wanting him to be saved from his own difficulties and addictions. And this was me. From the age of 10, when I first accepted Christ, it was my goal that my dad would come to find and follow Jesus Christ. It was a focus of my life, and for over 30 years, praying, making it just a constant passion that he would know Jesus, numerous times getting to share and intervene in difficult moments. It was never far from my mind or my heart. And you know, I've been thinking about this scratching and clawing for souls. And I've been thinking, what if I approached every person that is in my circle of influence with the same tenacity and persistence that I approached my dad coming to find and follow Jesus? Because that's what scratching and clawing looks like. It is, I can't wait. I'll do anything, God. I'll share anything you want me to share. I'll do any difficult thing you want me to do or easy. So what would it look like for you to scratch and claw for every soul that's on your circle of influence? You received a Fintel Bring card today, and on the back side of it is just this love list. No, it's not all the people that we love. We just call it a love list because it's people that God's put in our lives that are far from him, but that he loves. It's God's love list, and it's your personal sphere of influence. And I want to take just a moment right now, and I want to see if all of us couldn't get at least three of the names of people that we'd pray for and we would reach out to in Jesus' name. Take just a moment. See if you can't just get a start on that. I know that you'll have to fill out the rest of it later. So now I'm going to invite you to, with me, just lay your hand on that card, would you? I know that it's not all complete, but God sees every name. And would you pray with me for these people? Jesus, we just begin right now, or continue right now, praying for these people. We ask, Lord, that you would draw them to yourself, that your Holy Spirit would be convincing them of who you are even as we have opportunity, Lord, to share your story in our lives. And I pray for lots of opportunities to do that. Would you help us, Lord, to be your vehicles of love, your demonstration of love for these people? And Lord, this year, would you lead these people to faith in you, to find you and follow you with all their heart? That's what we're asking for, Jesus. And we thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, that's not a new idea around here, and I just want to celebrate with you. You have your poppers ready? They really are legal in church. I know I've been told I should own stock in these, but we're about to celebrate the greatest thing that ever happens 
which is people saying yes to Jesus. And here at Evergreen, because of your finding, telling, bringing, sharing, inviting with people, 253 people said yes to Jesus Christ this year at our services. Yeah, and we can give God a hand for that, too. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. That's right. The celebration continues. Don't you love it? Yeah. <laughs> That's so fun. I'm pretty sure that that celebration just keeps going in heaven because it's happening that often. So exciting. It's fun to experience just a little taste of it on this side. You know, it would be great to see a lot of people. If each one of us had one of those people come off our list. I had two people this last year on my love list say yes to Jesus Christ. I've had years where none did. But all of them made progress toward him. I wish it was a straight line to Jesus, right? The shortest distance between two points. But sometimes it's more like this and like this. And we just have to persist. And keep praying for him. I'm excited to see who comes to find and follow Jesus off your list. But you know, it's not enough to just say yes to Jesus as some sort of ticket out of hell and toward heaven. Though Jesus would take that. But there's so much more for them when people can get to follow Jesus. And we help people follow Jesus too. Experience the life and the destiny he had for him. And Paul talks about it this way in Colossians 1.28. He says this, Jesus is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. Wow. That's a big deal, isn't it? Helping every single person that finds Jesus to keep growing forward in Christ, including ourselves. And we do this together in something that we call the Evergreen Way, the 4G Network. God, gather, group, and give. We help people follow Jesus by spending time with God. We grow in relationship with Jesus when we spend time in his word, when we have conversations with him, when we journal or record or talk about what it is he's speaking to us. You know, we use a real simple tool called SOAP. S stands for scripture. Reading some scripture, whether it's one verse or 20 verses. That's not the point, is it? And then O stands for observations. That just means take a minute. Think about it and write some observations. And then there's A, application. And this is not just what the verse means, but what does it mean for me here in 2014 in my job and at the school I attend and where I live. And then P stands for prayer, just having some conversations with God about it. But you know, the point isn't which method you use, which plan you use. The big idea is that each one of us grows and the people that we're leading to Jesus grow when they spend time with him in his word and in conversation with him. You know, even our kids are learning how to do this, learning how to have a conversation with God. And one of the ways they do that is every weekend they break up into small groups as part of their class time and they pray for one another. And then they also have an opportunity to write out some prayers just to get them started with kind of recording things and, and thinking about what God's saying to them. And they do so. And they put their prayers in this power of prayer wall. And I just wanted to share a few of their prayers with you so you can see where their hearts and minds are are at as they're learning to talk to Jesus about everything. Dear Lord, I want you to be in my heart. Please help me to know when people are in need and to help them if it is so. 
Please let a boy play with me. I would like a friend. My best friend talks about money instead of about what matters most. I want everybody who is new to have a friend. Please give me a boyfriend, God. <laughs> you got to love that one. Okay, let's, we won't ask for a show of hands how many of you have prayed that prayer at some point in your life. Please let Gary be okay in heaven. I really miss him. Dear God, I wish my baby brother would come out, but he can't because he has to grow. Got a whole bunch of brothers and sisters saying that right now at Evergreen. I am ugly and gay. God, help the people in the Philippines. I hope my family is happy and we never give up on anything. You see, I see a community where we're so engaged in God's word and in conversations with him that we share his wisdom and his encouragement at work and in our homes and around the dinner table and with our neighbors. It's closer to the edge of our minds and our lips than the latest news story or any of that, talking about what he's talking about with us. And so much so that people come to us for help with life. They go, they have some wisdom, and I'd like to know what's going on with that. And that brings us to the third G, or the second G, where we gather each Sunday. You know, we grow in our relationship with Jesus by gathering each week. And ecclesia, the Greek word for church in the New Testament, actually in that time meant word for gathering of any kind of gathering of people, right? But in the New Testament, it's always used of a gathering of believers. And it was a regular weekly practice. Now, why was that so important? Because when we come together in a time like this, each one of us brings our messy lives and our preferences, and we subject those to what's good for the whole and what we agree to do together. And together for an hour or an hour and 15 minutes or an hour and 20 minutes or no, we decide that we're going to do some things together with God and we experience him together. And that is a special time. That's different from worshiping God out in nature alone. That's different from listening to a podcast all alone. Those are great opportunities, but they're not the same. And the church was always meant to be an important source of equipping and encouragement for us. The writer of the Hebrews says that we're to go, not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, but encourage one another all the more as we see the day drawing near. It's this idea that when we connect together, we encourage one another and help each other stand in there through tough times together until Jesus comes back. I see us eagerly anticipating Sundays together and bringing our friends along with us, looking forward to what we'll be equipped and encouraged in and how we'll go out and minister in our worlds the next week. Thirdly, I see us grouping up. That's right, to be part of a group because it's in the smaller context that we really can grow in honest relationships with each other. A group of people who care about us, a group of people that create a safety net where we can be our real selves, where we can tell about ourselves on our worst day and know we'll still be loved, that somebody would listen to us, that somebody would pray for us without judgment or condemnation, and where people would ask us the tough questions, where we'd be accountable to one another. 
Now, we talk about a lot of groups here. We have dinner for six, and we have life groups, and we have affinity groups. And most of our affinity groups are Bible studies or soap groups or study books through a book. They're awesome. All of those provide this kind of opportunity. But, you know, if you haven't or aren't in a group, you know the best way to become part of one of these communities is to just sign up online to be part of Dinners for Six because it's in that group Getting invited to somebody's house for dinner multiple times. And the first time you're meeting with these couple families and you go, I really like that person. I think I'd like to be in a group with them. What group are you in? And then you can go to that group with them. Or you find out, hey, they need a group too. Maybe it's time to start a new group that starts with you and them. And you invite some of your best friends to be a part of that. That's what groups can really do. I see every person who's made Evergreen their community of faith, having someone who knows their name and their story and that they could call them at 3 a.m. in the morning and know that they'd pick up the phone or answer the text. And then that fourth G, I see us giving of our time, talent, and treasure so that more people can find and follow Jesus and that we can be shaped and developed as followers as well. This is where followers become leaders and leaders become multipliers. At any given service here at Evergreen, you're going to see dozens of people down leading and loving our kids, helping them find and follow Jesus. And just to experience Jesus together as a group, more than 40 volunteers each weekend help us have a great experience with Jesus. And then during the week, there's people who do data entry. There's people who are doing laundry, folks. There's people who are filling those seat pockets there in front of you. There's people who are straightening and rearranging and stuffing envelopes and shopping for food and supplies and going out to vendors and bringing food in so that the food bank has food to give away to needy people. All kinds of service. Because we were made to give. It's how we grow. It's how followers really become leaders. It's how leaders become multipliers. After all, leaders are servants first. It's the environment in which a leader decides to invest their time, their talent, and treasure in the lives of some other people who also do the same. It is the Imago Dei. It is the image of God in each one of us. And so we, we together decide to give. And when each one of us is taking these four steps and the people that we're helping find and follow Jesus get to start taking these steps, they grow. I don't know what steps and where you're at right now. I don't know which steps you're taking and which steps you have to still connect with Jesus on. But I can tell you this, that what it, whatever place you're in right now, you can go deeper. You can go further. You can decide to group up or you can decide to invest more in the group you're already in. You can be one of those people that goes prepared to give, that goes prepared to listen, that goes prepared to draw people's stories out. That's what this is all about. You see, when I see... Our future, I see our friends, our neighbors, our co-workers, our fellow students, and our families coming to Jesus and experiencing transformation. I see marriages that have grown cold and stale, some of them on the brink of divorce. I see these couples with a rekindled, passionate commitment to each other, loving each other, 
communicating with each other. I see children and families who are at their wit's end, wanting to, maybe not literally, but metaphorically kill each other, coming to a place of joy and harmony together, figuring it out, how to communicate at this stage of life, how to love these teenagers right where they're at, how to use God's wisdom in their parenting. I see men and women with broken pasts that God has restored, reaching out to other men and women and helping them find and follow Jesus and get unstuck from their own broken pasts. I see leaders becoming multipliers until there's more than enough leaders to help disciple all the people who are coming to find and follow Jesus. I see us reaching so many people for Jesus this year that we're bursting at the seams every service. So much so that we have to have another service just to contain them. I see us making disciples. And I see us planting churches. And anybody who's known me very long knows I could go on and on about this one. How many of you remember this couple? Kevin and Emily Hughes and team. Yeah, this was their send-off. You know, we sent them out February 2013, this last year. And Kevin and Emily were sent to what we call a restored or revitalized, a place that needed revitalization. For 19 years, the church had been 40 people, mostly the same 40 people. You see, they had lost sight of their vision, and God wanted to send them a new leader, and somebody would help them remember what they were all about, that they were there to help people find and follow Jesus. So he sent this team. But, you know, we also need to plant brand new churches, churches that start from zero, except for you. And that's what we're going to be doing. We plant churches to reach more. We need lots of churches for lots of different kinds of people. Sometimes because of where others are located, sometimes because of who they are, we're not the right people to reach them. But God has just the people, and those are the people that we need to find and send to those places to plant churches. Church planning is not the only way to reach more. It is the most effective way. Did you know that new church plants reach double the number of people for Jesus Christ per person than a church 16 years or older? It's not either or, it's both and. By all means, win some. And I want you to think about this. Every church was a church plant at one time. This church was 85 years ago, started by a 20-year-old, something that would just make people go, can they really do that? And for 85 years, literally thousands of people have come to find and follow Jesus Christ through this church. We're building on the shoulders of people who've come before us. We need to plant more churches like that. So we plant churches. In the end of June, we're going to be sending Marta and Grant Crichton. And let's see, Marta's over here. I don't know if we really need to pray for him tonight because Marta's over here and Grant's over here. Grant's our junior high pastor. Marta's our assistant children's pastor. Just two phenomenal people that we get to send out. And we're going to send them to Walla Walla. Take a look on the map. Some people have been asking me where this is at. Just four hours and 17 minutes to be precise. And that can vary, folks. But it is on the eastern side of the state. It's where the sun is shining today. It was 67 degrees just a few hours ago there. Just saying, if you're looking for the sunshine, Grant's ready to talk to you out in the lobby afterwards, okay? 
The thing is, we hope to send a team with them. But I found this interesting thing, that a lot of people, when they hear about a team, they're always thinking positions. They're always thinking, well, I'm not a leader. I'm not a children's ministry leader or teacher. I'm not an administrative person, or I'm not this. You fill in the blank. I'm not. But you know what? Grant and Marta need all kinds of people. They need people who are great at loving people right where they're at and being hospitable. What we call community builders. People who just, they get, they invite a couple over for dinner and they end up with five couples over for dinner, right? And people flock to them. We have people like that at Evergreen. And Marta and Grant need some of those people. And then they need some people who are just what I call salt of the earth folks. Those people who will live, shop, pray, pour their lives out for the people of Walla Walla. To see them come to know Jesus Christ. People who will pray for Marta and Grant and support them with their time, treasure, and talent. As they reach out to young families and college students there, they need some single people to uproot and start on this amazing adventure with them. They need some married young families to do this with them. You know what? They need people just like you. That's what they need. Sweet Life Church is about reaching people who are far from God, not moving the Christians around from one church to another. Grant is personally working on his certification as a physical trainer. He chose that specifically because it puts him in relationship with pre-Christians in the community and gives him an excuse, a very good one, to be with them on a weekly basis where he can Share God's story in his life. And why did he come to Walla Walla anyway? And answer that question person by person by person. You know, Marta's applying at both the colleges and several businesses. That's what they're going to be doing spring break. You can be praying for them that way. Why did Marta choose that? And why is she planning to open her own event and catering business that puts her in touch with all kinds of people in this new and up and coming Napa Valley wannabe? Because it puts them in touch with people, most of whom don't yet know Jesus, some of whom do, but all of them, people who they can love and lead. I see us planting churches to help more people find and follow Jesus. I invite you to consider that. And then thirdly, I see us loving and serving people here, near, and far. I told you this was going to be a fire hose, everybody. Do you need to take a deep breath? You might. You know, this all comes back to the same thing, the great commandment. Love God and love people. That's how we say it. Jesus said it this way when he was asked what the greatest commandment was. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And the second is like the first. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God and love people. That's why we're passionate about loving and serving people. This is where it all starts. It's where it all ends. 1 Corinthians 13 through 14.1 tells us real clearly, you can sacrifice all kinds of things. You can martyr yourself, in fact. And if we don't love and serve people, we don't have anything. 
That's where the love of Christ, that's where the power of Christ is really released in our lives. So we love and serve people here, near, and far. Here, I see us experiencing Jesus and loving each other in the Evergreen community. I'm talking about us. I'm talking about Sunday nights or Sunday mornings. I'm talking about whenever we gather in any kind of group together. Because doing it here is practice for the rest of the week, right? You see, when we love each other, when we treat each other with love, And compassion like Jesus did. People see that and they're drawn to God. That's what Jesus said. By this will all men know that you're my disciples. If you have love one for another. So we do beverages and we do snacks out in the lobby. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but most of us don't need another snack. And we don't need another meal, right, on our agenda. Or you maybe were thinking, well, it's kind of like the kids. They get snack time and so do we. Woohoo! You know, that's not just because Ann likes to have fun. You know, we do those very purposely to create a comfortable, joyful, fun environment in which people can connect and take their relationships one step deeper, have meaningful conversations that might not happen during our time here during the service. So slow down and take a few moments to love someone. Ask some questions. How are you doing? And stick around for more than just the usual fine. How can I pray for you? What did you hear God say to you today during that message, during that service? Invite someone to brunch or lunch or coffee later in the week or dinner later in the week. Because if we can't do it here, we probably won't do it near or far. Yesterday morning, a friend of mine texted me. Now, she's been here for seven months, and she and her three kids, all four of them, had been throwing up all night. Sorry to get so graphic, but that was the way it was. And her husband was traveling. So one of the things she told me is, I tried to think of who I could text this early in the morning safely. And then she said, seven up would be like manna from heaven. I said, I'll be there shortly. I threw on my workout clothes. I took off. I went to Albertsons, picked up the stuff she needed, 7-Up, soda crackers. You know the drill. You've been there. And I brought it. But you know, I see a church where every person has somebody that they could text or call any time of the night or day if they were in that kind of situation. That's what we want to become. I see us loving and serving people near, that is, in our larger community. I know we represent North Banks and Cornelius, I mean, North Plains, Cornelius, Banks, Hillsboro, Beaverton, a lot of different communities. But we love and serve our community. We do that together so well. You're amazing at this. We love the precariously housed students together. We provide Christmas gift bags for them. And in just a couple months in May, we're going to provide a graduation gift by taking an offering. We'll be able to give every graduating senior who is in who is precariously housed with a graduation gift and then we'll have cards lining the walls of the auditorium here that you'll write a special message of congratulations on and that'll be so meaningful for them many of them the only gift the only celebration they're going to have about that 
Well, we do that together, and together we love the students and the staff at Mooberry Elementary. You know, there's people volunteering in the classrooms. There's other people who prepare special meals across the year for the staff to tell them we love them, to appreciate them, or just to show a little respect for the hard work they've been doing. We're doing the school supply drive, which next week, I hope those bins will be like overflowing. And a lot of people go, March, and we're doing school supplies? Yeah. We have three teachers now that attend from Mooberry here, and there are students who need the supplies on the list that you'll find out there. We love them that way. End of the school year, we do a field day for those students. And together, we're loving more in our community as we prepare to do a health fair for our community here at Evergreen on June 7th, another date, a Saturday, that you should get on your calendar because we're going to need all kinds of people to love our community on that day. And many of you are also doing this as individuals in the community, as his church, his hands extended. I want to share just a few of those stories with you because I think it will encourage you. Maybe it will challenge you. I don't know where you're at in your own loving and serving. One woman is a community ambassador for an organization that helps women who've received a cancer diagnosis. From the moment of diagnosis through recovery, they walk with them. She's a two-year breast cancer survivor herself, so she has a passion to help people with a difficult, frightening journey like this. One woman serves lunch every week to the Hillsboro Senior Center to our great generation. Several of the women, and I don't even think they knew this, um, are part of the same quilters guild, and they make quilts for kids who are abused, kids who are going into foster care, and kids who have received a cancer diagnosis. Just an amazing thing. Another woman knits toe warmers. I'd never heard about those. I'd like to uh, try those out myself. But toe warmers for St. Vincent's Hospital. And then she also works with kindergartners at Patterson Elementary who are struggling in math and reading. Now, she herself just recently retired from the health care business. But she still remembers that kids are important. So what'd she do? She found a school in her neighborhood that she could easily get to, and she helps there. One of the guys plays chess with students at Mooberry after school each week. And one of our moms, who's just an amazing caregiver and actually teaches preschool for Nike campus, what she does is she takes who she is, which is a great caregiver for kids, and she does it for um, couples and single moms who don't have any family in the area and babysits for them in the evenings for free. A wonderful gift. A mother of three is the advisor, and you'll find her every Friday morning at Evergreen Middle School down the street here for the, for the um, yearbook. So she meets with the students that are putting that together. She's also the timer and the box monitor for lacrosse. I'm not sure what that is exactly. But the lacrosse I know, but I don't know what those roles are. But she does that every week for both the 7th and 8th grade boys and the JV teams at Glencoe High School. At the same time, her and her husband are foster parents to a four-year-old girl. There's a young businessman who coaches eighth grade football for Glencoe. He understands that students are really impressed, are really influenced by somebody who's just ahead of them on the journey. And so he does that. One young family is now on their fourth adoption, waiting for two kids that they're adopting from Haiti. They've been waiting for months, involved in so much red tape, but just pressing through. And a bunch of you parents out there are coaches for your kids' sports teams. And some of you have the illustrious tax of being the the game snack person, right? Now, that's a popular position. 
to hold right there. Or hosting the end of the season celebration. I've lived this life, folks. One of the guys, though, that I heard from has been coaching Glencoe's freshman. He was the first guy to respond to my email, and I asked for his picture to go up. Not his, but the group of guys. These are the freshman wrestlers at Glencoe High School. They're the freshmen and the novice wrestlers, okay? So the first-timers. His number one goal with these boys is to establish a relationship with them and let them know that the lessons they're learning right now have everything to do with their success in life later. And as he got to know them, and uh, he noticed that they were having just a rash of skin problems. We won't go into what those were, uh, though he was more graphic. But he sat the boys down and he had this talk with them about hygiene. And he had bought in bulk this antibacterial bars of soap. He'd actually bought them for his son, but he had them with him. So as he was talking with him, he said, for 15 minutes, I'd give him this talk. He discovered that many of the boys are from broken homes or absentee parent, particularly fathers. So a lot of them had never heard this talk before. And at the end of the talk, he realized, I better ask him if they need some soap. And he actually gave out all that he had bought in bulk for his son. You see, helping people find and follow Jesus starts with loving and serving them right where they're at. And that's what you're doing. And we applaud that and we love that. I see us loving and serving the world. Going around the world to love and serve people with compassion, the compassion of Jesus, and taking his good news as we do. Whether it's building a simple home for the needy like you see here in Mexico, we're going to be doing a couple teams that do these build trips. Literally, that's kind of what it looks like to do that. Or whether you're going to help with community development in a village in Guatemala like this next picture. Did you know that we're going to adopt a village and that we're going to get to start with them and go back time after time and see that community developed and reached for Jesus Christ, loving people in his name. Or maybe you're going to be part of a medical team likes going to Cambodia in July for two weeks. You know, we need medical people, but we also need administrative people. We need people who can do intake. We need support people for the team. And we need support people for people as they wait to be treated. People who are comfortable praying. I think a lot of us could do that, right? Rick is the guy you want to talk to if you want to become part of those opportunities. You see, there's lots of open doors for us to make a difference in God's big world using the gifts, skills, abilities that you have right now. You don't have to become someone else or the person you most admire. You can be you and make a difference in God's big world. Together, we've built wealth. Together, we've built a church, an orphanage, and a school in Uganda. Together, we've done street ministry, handed out health care packets, trained pastors, provided medical care, provided school uniforms and books for kids in third world countries, and we've helped a whole lot of people find and follow Jesus by serving others here, near, and far. I see us making disciples, planting churches, and loving and serving people. Here, near, and far. Let's keep doing that together.